0: We are in the book of Luke, going through Luke chapter by chapter. Please rise for the reading of God's word, and if you need a Bible, raise your hand. You know we pass out Bibles because it's good not only to hear the word of God, but see it. You should not just accept anything that I... uh, teach or interpret from the Bible you need to read it for yourself it's not that the, the that the um, teaching here is not trustworthy but the Bible says every man every woman needs to look for themselves uh, because uh, uh, God wants a relationship with you he wants you in his word so Luke chapter 2 verse 21 and when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child his name was called Jesus the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb let's pray Lord, the name of Jesus, Jehovah saves. Draw our hearts to him this morning, Lord. In his name we pray, amen. Okay, you may be seated. So last week we sort of celebrated Christmas in October. We read through the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, Luke's account of the birth of Jesus, and, you know, we have to keep in mind when Luke wrote this letter, he did not intend for us to just get it out once a year on December 24th. He meant it to be read, you know, throughout the year, and it was great to read the account on October 2 last year. In verse 11 of chapter 2, the angel Of the Lord says to the shepherds, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Who is he speaking to again? Shepherds, shepherds at the time, the lowest of the low, shepherds were so mistrusted that they weren't even allowed to be a witness in a courtroom. Shepherds who, there was a tradition at the time, if you saw a shepherd in need, you weren't even allowed to help them. They were unclean. If you touched them, you weren't allowed to go to temple, to go to church. And the angel says to them, the angel of the Lord, for there is born to you. He didn't say, for there is born to the world, although he could have said that. That would have been accurate. But if he said that, the shepherds, with all their profound insecurity, may have said, well, uh, 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 well, if, if a, if a Savior is born to the world, well, what, what about me? I'm a cast out from the world. No, it wasn't that. It was for there is born to you. To me, yes, to you. I know who you are, and I'm telling you, it's born the baby's born to you this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. When the angel of the Lord is calling the baby a savior here, it is Jesus' saving work on the cross that he is referring to. Specifically the blood. In first Peter 1 18 19, it says, You were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus. In first John 1 7, it says, The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin, underline that word all, although you'll have to switch to another book to underline it, whether you're a shepherd or a king, whether you are the most religious person or the most wicked, if you put your trust in Jesus, he's your savior, for there is born to you this day, the world may not help you when you are in need, but I will, says the Lord, for this day is born to you. And the blood of jesus cleanses us from all sin past present future so the angel leaves the shepherds so, say let's go to bethlehem they do they find mary and joseph and the babe lying in a manger the word manger means feeding trough or a camel or a donkey then they went out, the shepherds went out, and it says they widely made known the sayings which were told them. God knew what he was doing here. He sent the angels to shepherds. He knew they wouldn't fuddy duddy around. Like so many times we do with God's message. You no, know, these guys just they just went out and they made made widely known. So what happened? After last week was when the baby was born. What about after verse? That's where, where we pick up in verse 21 it says, "And when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Circumcision had been practiced by the Jews. Ever since the time of Abraham in the Old Testament, Abraham being the father of the Jews, the Bible says that God gave the people, uh, the Jewish people, circumcision supremely as a reminder to the Jewish people that when God draws his people to himself, there's a tearing away from the fleshly life, there's a tearing away from the worldly lifestyle. It was a reminder to the Jews that they had been set apart. Same thing happens to a a, a Christian, and and really baptism takes the place of uh, of circumcision in the New Testament. It's a public representation that you've been washed, and you've been washed from the inside out. So Abraham, the father of the Jews, was uh, uh, was circumcised, actually, as an adult. Ouch. (laughs) Eight days after that, the Lord renamed him. From what? What was his name? Abram to what? Abraham, Abraham, which means the father of many nations. And so the Jews had a tradition to name their children on the eighth day after their circumcision. And so that's why uh, verse 21 says what it does. It says, when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus. Jesus. And so a little quiz from chapter 1. What does Jesus mean? Jehovah or the Lord saves. Verse 22. Now when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. You say, what on earth is that about? Well, those are references to Old Testament law. There's two things going on here. They're dedicating Jesus according to Old Testament Jewish law. Uh, And number one, according to the Old Testament law, every firstborn male was taken to the temple to... uh, to dedicate the child uh, to the uh, Lord. And it was more an act on the part of their parents that, look, everything I have, the first fruits of everything I have is the Lord. By the way, I think we're going to have a dedication next week. And and one of the biblical basis for it is this example. Um, However, uh, in addition, number two There was another Old Testament law that required that when a woman gave birth to a child, there would be a purification period, and that's what verse 22 refers to, says, now when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed. There was a purification period uh, that for a boy was 33 days after uh, his birth, and, and after that the, the, the mom went to the temple to present an offering. And the fact that this particular offering in verse 22 was a pigeon or a turtle dove is yet another reminder that Joseph and Mary were poor. Because typically under, uh, uh, under Mosaic law, you can read about it in Leviticus chapter 12, they, people, uh, the woman would offer a lamb. But there was an exception if you were poor. You could offer a pigeon or a turtle dove. And, uh, and, and so she does this dedication, and she does it pursuant to Old Testament law. And then in verse 25, it says, and behold, and behold. Yeah, behold, when you see behold, it's the Holy Spirit's way of telling us pay close attention to what is about to happen now because this is the more, this is important. In this case, it's more than that. This is the more important thing. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now, this guy Simeon's gonna do um, a dedication by the Spirit of God. They had just done a dedication of the law. But the Bible's, uh, you know, in Second Corinthians, Paul says that the, the old is passing away. It's being re- replaced by the new, the new covenant, the, the, the covenant of grace, the covenant of the Spirit. And he is going to do a second dedication now, which is not typically done. This is brand new. This is, this is the entrance of the Messiah, a whole new covenant, a new order is being introduced here. And so it's this guy, Simeon, and it says here about Simeon, before we go further, I just want to point this out. It says that he was a just And devout man. He was a devout man. Now, regrettably, that word devout. And we hear that word devout. And and we think a guy with, you know, robes or something, you know, walking through the street, you know, like this. And and in a monastery, um, chanting monotone hymns or something. And that's a tragedy because that is not a biblical picture of what devout means. The word there in the Greek, it's the uh, Greek word eulabes or "eulabis." It's a fascinating study. What it means uh, is to take hold of well, to take hold of well, or to courageously and strongly take hold of. Think about a bear hug, not one where you're going like that. You know, one where you're sir, equal strength with the other person and you're bear hugging them. That's the, what's what the word means, uh, devout here. And you say, well, uh, Simon was a devout man. Well, taking hold of what? Taking hold of God. That's what the word devout means. It's the word has been prostituted. You know, it's the same thing that every man or woman who is a child of God, the Bible calls them to be devout in a bear hug with God. And so it says that he is a devout man. And it says he's waiting for the consolation of Israel. The word consolation means comfort and is the name for Messiah, the Savior of Israel. Then it continues, uh, again, at the end of verse 25, it says, And the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit was upon him. In verse 26... And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms. So he's taken the baby up in his arms and blessed God. And he said, Lord Now you are letting your servant depart in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. So that was the dedication by the Spirit of God you have two dedications here right on top of each other the first one verse 23 and 24 you have an uh, y- y- you have really it's a, a priest it's being performed by man it's a religious ritual that was part of a dying religious system that was the first dedication of Jesus But to make sure there is no mistake about the fact that Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is going to replace the old. It's going to replace the law. It's going to fulfill, really is a better word, the law. You have a second dedication here performed by the Holy Spirit. It says in verse 25, the Holy Spirit was upon Simeon. In verse 27, it says the Holy Spirit led him into the temple, and then by the Holy Spirit he prophetically declares this wonderful dedication we read in verses 29 and 32. In 2 Corinthians 3, 7, and 8, it says this, If the ministry of the law, written and engraved on stones, that's referring to the Ten Commandments, was glorious, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious And then in 2 um, in Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, do we have that ready? 2 Corinthians 3, verse 6, there's a, a similar verse. I can actually read it myself. It says, the law brings death, but the spirit gives life. The law brings death, but the spirit gives life. That's 2 Corinthians 3, verse 6. And so the ministry of the law, the law is a holy thing. It's a good thing, but it was all about death because the Bible says that when we break the the law, death enters in. But the ministry of the Spirit, it gives life. I'm teaching a Bible study in Dorchester on Wednesday nights. I'm going through the book of John, and John chapter 1 verse 3 says this, in him was life. Speaking of Jesus, in Jesus was life. Life. Life replaced death. Anyone who has ever come to the Lord and given their life to them knows what I'm talking about. Life, Jesus, replaces death. Jesus replaced a a dying religious system. If you grew up in a dead religious system like I did, made made up of ritual ceremony and mindless repetition of prayer with no relationship of God there in your life... Jesus wants to replace that in your life he has fulfilled it he wants to replace it with the personal relationship with him in him is life those are uh, that's uh, describing Jesus in John chapter one so Jesus is dedicated here uh, to the uh, according to the law of Moses in verse 23 and 24 but then according to the the Spirit in verses 29 through 32. Let's just take a little closer look at what Simeon says here. Uh, in verses. Uh, again, in verse 29, he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. That's a reference to his own uh, death. He's an older man now. Uh, he, now that he has seen the Messiah, he's able to die in peace. And I hope that now that that I, I, I hope that every person in, the, in, in this room this morning. Hebrews chapter 2 says that Jesus came to rescue us from the bondage of the fear of death. I was plagued by the fear of death. Before I was 24 years old and, and, and started uh, walking with the Lord. And, and, and the Bible says that Jesus has rescued us from that. And, and I hope every one of us is able to say, you know, now that, now that I know you, Lord, I can depart in peace. In verse 30, it says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. So Jesus is his salvation. We're saved not by following Acts of law or trying to be good, we are saved by a person, Jesus. Seaman says, my eyes have seen your salvation. And then verse 31, it says, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples. Before the face of all peoples. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. So it says in verse 33, it says that Joseph and Mary, they marveled. They're like, wow. They marveled at these things. And, and you know, I am sure that part of that had to do with there's this guy, probably, I'm sure they've never met him before. He just comes out of nowhere and he sweeps up their child and he starts prophesying to him. You know, I have uh, five kids and by the time the fifth kid comes along and someone sweeps up your child and lifts them up, go for it, dude. But on number one, it's like, whoa, whoa, you know, this, this type of thing. And so they're, they're probably marveling um, at that. But, uh, you know, there's this guy coming out of nowhere. Uh, but, but there's also, it says here, it says he, there, there, he's speaking to Jesus, Simeon, and he's looking at him. And, and, and he's saying, Lord, you have prepared this, this child before the face of all nations, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. That's the Greek word ethnos. It means ethnic groups, all peoples, all nations. He is going to be a light for all nations. And I think one of the reasons that Joseph and Mary marveled here was because he said this, because even though in the Old Testament, throughout the Old Testament, on Sunday nights we're in Isaiah, throughout Isaiah, for example, it says that that the coming Messiah was the Messiah for all people, for the whole world. Uh, uh, you know, but, but the Jews had gotten to the place where, you know, it, it, it really, it was, the Messiah was just for the Jews. It was just for them. Eric, do you mind coming up? I'm jumping, up, jumping around too much up here, and this is, this is falling off my, my, uh, my ear here. Wait one second. Close your eyes. It will be like it never happened. Great guy, that guy. <laughs> and, so, and, and, and so, you know, the, the thinking here is, is that they're marveling Joseph and Mary because the Messiah to them, and it had come to the point where the Messiah was all about the Jews. No, no, it was not all about the Jews. Throughout the Old Testament, it was about much more, and it says they're marveling. But notice at the end of verse 32, it does say this as well, and the glory of your people Israel. Jesus is the glory of the people Israel. Now, ever talk with a Jewish person? You're talking with them, you know, I'm a Christian, and they say something like, you know, well, yeah, well, I'm Jewish. Quote this verse. See, we know the Bible says that Jesus is the glory of the people Israel. You know, I have a... I'm not sure what she's called. A cousin-in-law? Is that what you call the wife of your cousin? Is there any such term? Yes, there is now. Cousin-in-law, and she's Jewish, and and we uh, were with her this summer at a family reunion, and she made a comment, something to the effect, "Well, I'm, I I do feel a little out of place here. I'm I'm the only Jew here." And I said, "Nina, Jesus was a Jew. The twelve apostles were Jewish. Most of the New Testament was written uh, by Jews. You know what that means? I'm a Jew." This is what I told her. And, she, and she, she, she hugged me and kissed me. She goes, thank you so much for saying that. And listen, I'm not taking too much liberty with Scripture. You know, Romans does say, uh, speak of us as, as spiritual uh, Jews that have been grafted into his people, Israel. But, you know, for those like her who are Jewish by blood, the Bible says that Jesus is the glory of Israel. He's the glory of Israel. Ask any Jew for Jesus, they will tell you the same thing. But anyway, verse 33, so they marvel. Verse 34, then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your heart also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And so he says to Mary here, he says this child is destined for the fall and rising of many. So think of self-righteous religious men and women confronted by Jesus. They're in for a fall. Think of the lowest of the low, the shepherds. They've already been in for a rise. The life, death, and resurrection of Jesus presents everyone with a choice and, and, and either to lay hold of him, be devout. It says in John 1 that the Son of God came into the world, but the world did not comprehend. The word means lay hold. It's the same phrase, lay hold of him. Either to lay hold of him or to reject him. Many will fall and rise because of him, Simeon tells Mary. And at the end of verse 34, Simeon says, He will be a sign which will be spoken against. Now remember the verse that, one of the verses I put up last week, Isaiah 53.3. says this of Jesus, He was despised and rejected by men. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. And so in verse uh, 35, um, uh, uh, again, where it says, yes, a sword will pierce your own soul uh, also. Actually, that, that, the word sword is, is referring to one of those large Roman swords. It's referring to the pain that she herself would experience uh, seeing her son crucified. But he would be spoken against, why? Because he would be rejected. But then at the end of verse 35, it says, and the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed now one of the reasons we emphasize here at calvary chapel your own time in the word of god it's because every time you're in the word of god and you you do it with an open heart your heart is revealed and guess what that's a good thing because because this side of heaven the bible says that our heart is prone it's it, it's desperately wicked beyond cure it's prone to wander. So we have a new nature in Christ, and, and we can, when we focus on Jesus, we can walk in uh, his will, but, but, but we, we want to expose our hearts. And, and it says, oh, yeah, the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Mary, that's what's going to be done through your son. So, so, you know, in that way, the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed just to the body of Christ. But, but listen, nothing in heaven or earth Reveals the human heart really worldwide of every single one of the people on on this earth. Nothing like, like Jesus, the name of Jesus Christ does. Nothing. If a man or woman is bent on being their own God and keeping themselves on the throne of their heart rather than God, You can be sure that when they are presented with the glorious news of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, their heart is going to be revealed. Their heart is going to be revealed. Jesus himself in John chapter 3 says this, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. This is Jesus speaking here. Does everyone follow what he's saying? This is the judgment, that light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. Another similar kind of verse uh, is is this in 2 Corinthians 4.4, they do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of, of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. In other words the name of Jesus is presented to them, but they don't believe because they don't want their hearts revealed by God. And, and, and you know, th- that is the concept here. That's what's being told Mary. It says, your son, it, through your son, the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. Will be revealed. Verse 36. So Jesus has been dedicated twice first according to the law and then and by the spirit verse 36 now there was one and a prophetess any prophetesses here i don't believe that i don't believe there's no Do you, you know prophesying is just declaring the the word of god not necessarily talking about the future and i know some of you women know how to declare and have the gift of of prophecy declared in the word of God. But there was one Anna, a prophetess. The word Anna comes from the same root word for, as John, Joanna, Johan. They all mean the same thing. God is gracious. God is gracious. Now, there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Samuel. That's a great one, too. It means face of God. It's really taken right out of uh, Genesis, uh, chapter 32, where Jacob is wrestling with God and and realizes that he has seen God. He says, oh, I've seen the face of God. And so, I mean, he named the place Fenuel. So uh, that's where they, so she grew up seeing Phanuel, the face of God. That's what we're parents. That's what we need to be to our uh, children, the face or the representation of God. So Anna, uh, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher, she was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity, and this woman was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers night and day, and so uh, she, this woman Anna, sees Jesus coming in, and uh, sees Simeon holding uh, the baby up uh, in the air. And it says in verse thirty-eight, it says, "And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem." And so, uh, she's she just comes in while this dedication by Simeon is 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 um, taking place, and it says that she speaks to all the people who are around about Jesus, about him. She she's not talking about the future here; she's talking about the fre- uh, the the present. And so there's these uh, these. Group of people around here, a sizable number of people, it says, and they've been coming to the temple for years. They've been filled with hope and expectation. Why? Because they know the word of God and they know the faithfulness of God. What did they come to the temple to do? It says they came to the temple looking for redemption in Israel. You know, they weren't just sitting around in groups Saying to each other, you know, back in the old days, things have really gone downhill. You know, look at the world around us. Yeah. No, no, no. It says they're looking to the future. Nothing is more grieving the Holy Spirit, I think, in my opinion, than when Christians just sit around talking about how bad the world is. You know, 40 or 50 years ago when, when I was a kid, things were so much better than they are today. Yeah, if you were a white male living in the suburbs, <laughs> you know, it's it, not necessarily the case. You better really qualify what you're saying. Now, I, I, look, I, I completely agree and I'm on board that we are seeing a unique breaking away. From the word of God. But look, when we gather together as the people of God, Colossians chapter 3 says this. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above where Christ is se- uh, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. We, there should be this glorious ex- expectation of what the Lord is going to do in our lives and in times to come, the Bible says, Jesus is coming back. Jesus repeatedly promised that. And you know what's really cool about this scene? There's, again, there's a sizable number of people. In verse 38, it says that she's speaking to all those who looked for the redemption of, in Jerusalem. To me, one of the, 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 the wonderful things about this little scene here is that at the time, we know because of the life and ministry of Jesus, The religious life in Israel had been hijacked by all the wrong people. The Pharisees and the scribes, which they were all about legalism and controlling uh, people. The Sadducees were all about money. Jesus would have to come in and wipe out the money changers. Because so much materialism had just corrupted the church. But hey, we have in here in Luke 3... A group who who were they were looking to what God's word had promised and His word itself. And and you know sometimes we we you know, we look around at the world. We see religious leaders. They seem to be compromised in many fashions. Look, th- th- that's not an excuse for us to be going. Woe is me. You know, I'm the only one. <laughs> No, the word of God has promises about what he is going to do in your life. And in the life of the church, the church, the bride of Christ, Jesus is coming back to get it. He promises that. You know, the story of Elijah. He says, Lord, you know, wh- wh- why are you so depressed to Elijah? Well, Lord, I'm the only one. Everyone else is forsaking God, and God says, no, you're wrong. There's a remnant of 7,000. You just don't know them. And and, and so this wonderful scene here of her just speaking to this group who would come to to the temple area. And, and, you know, I want to be coming to church faithful to the Lord when the Lord does his next great work. I don't want to be off complaining off by myself somewhere. I want to be with the people of God and hearing the prophetic word come forth. This is what the Lord is doing now. It says in verse 39, so when they had performed all these things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city Nazareth. So they left the area in Judea. Bethlehem and, and Jerusalem were down in the south of Israel, and they went back to where their family was from in Nazareth. So uh, we will uh, pick up uh, next week in verse 40. But what a just a, mo- a wonderful message of, of redemption and, and hope, and just the way that, that God. Just in our own lives, he wants to replace anything that has crept in, which is part of an old religious system, and he wants to replace it with life, with Jesus, with the Spirit.